0: To Mark chapter number four, we're actually going to preach tonight about a storm, storm in the Bible. Mark chapter number four, I am well aware of the time, and I promise you, as a matter of fact, I'm going to get my phone out and time the message, and uh, I will not be long tonight, amen, but uh, I will time the message here, if I can figure out how to work it, there we go, okay. I'm just going to say a bunch of things before I hit start, but no. But um, graduates, we love you. We're very thankful for you. You've been a tremendous part of our school, a tremendous part of my life. And uh, I could say that I've prayed for each and every one of you, no doubt, by name, many times. And we love you and we believe in you. We believe that God has something for you that is wonderful. And I would echo the words of Pastor Wilkerson, Uh, what's going to matter is is when you stand before God, it's a great thing to stand on a graduation stage and to a platform and to receive a diploma. One of these days, a much larger stage than this will be in front of you. You'll stand before the throne of God, and I hope that he can say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And by the way, church, I hope he can say that to all of us. That's my heart's desire, to hear that from the Lord Jesus. Would you stand with me, please, in Mark chapter number 4? We're going to start in verse number 35, and I appreciate all of you that are calling me right now. (laughs) Mark chapter number 4, what a sarcastic group of people. Hey, I'll put the phone away, we'll preach for an hour. No, but uh, Mark chapter number 4, and verse number 35. The Bible says this, the Bible says, In the same day when the even was come <laughs> when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. It's a very interesting story in the Bible. I believe there are some lessons that we could learn tonight as a church and as the 2020 graduating class, there are some lessons we could learn from the Word of God, and I hope that... Something that I said tonight would be a blessing and it helped everybody in the room. Let's pray. Then you can be seated. Lord, we do thank you for being the eye of the storm. God, thank you for these seniors who for the past four years uh, have been just a cut above as far as their spirit, as far as their attention to the Bible and, and to you and their desire to pray for each other, the class unity that has been on display in this class. It's been a wonderful thing. And Lord, you've seen it fit for this class to go through a storm. And it's been an unusual ending to the school year. And God, I pray that you would help us to learn some lessons from the storm tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I can't don't dare turn my phone over because I'll miss all the times Zach Richards has tried to call me, and uh, but regardless, I'll try to keep it brief tonight. The passage we just read, Jesus calms the storm. He calms the storm. And recently, my mind has been drawn to storms in the Bible. Storms in the Bible. This class has, been through a storm, and I hate it for them. I I know it's God's plan, but there's a part of me as a youth pastor, and I know Brother Woosley, we've talked about this, and pastor, I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, This class, we we wish it could have ended normal. We wish that you could have had your senior trip and your, your banquet and your youth revival, and that's what we would have planned, but this class has been through a storm. Our nation has been through some storms. We're still in some storms social storms, spiritual storms, crazy, unusual, unprecedented, uncertain times. I don't know if you're like me, but I've found myself just thinking about the last three or four months and just wondering, you know, what's going to happen next? How many of you have thought that? Raise your hand, be honest. What is possibly, what could possibly happen next? Just this past Tuesday, I was, I was um, in my front yard, and I was thinking about just life and, and how crazy it's been, and asking the Lord and asking myself that very question, what could possibly happen next? I was thinking about the coronavirus, and, and then the, the protests, and the riots, and all the different things. It just seems like every day there's something else, and and I was thinking, what could possibly happen next? And I was outside and, and uh, asking myself that. And I looked up in the sky on Tuesday here in Hammond. And I noticed that the, the sky looked different. The, the sky had that eerie mood to it. The clouds were moving fast. I started to hear sirens. <laughs> in Hammond. I mean, the storm sirens were going through, and, and I'm just looking around thinking, what is happening? And, uh, and I live right across the street from uh, Purdue Calumet, right across the street. I live right there on Woodmar Avenue. I'm staring at the college, and, and the college has these outside speakers. And in the middle of, of all of that, the clouds moving, the sky going crazy, and and the sirens, I I I heard from the outside speaker Purdue, I didn't realize what it was at first, but I heard, take shelter immediately. <laughs> I'm thinking, what is happening? You know, I'm checking my salvation. I'm thinking, what could it be? The aliens! The aliens are coming. You know, they're coming to carry us away. That's all it could possibly be. You know, we should have stormed Area 51. No, but uh, regardless. Hey, do you remember when that was the big worry? The beginning of this school year, all we could talk about was storming Area 51. That was the big deal. And uh, man. Look, hey, the second we start thinking about storming Area 51, look at what they do to us. but uh, they they got our minds off it quick, didn't they? And uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, just saying, all right, just saying. I'll tell you what, uh, there better not be any more petitions to storm Area 51, but regardless, we had a storm come through our neighborhood and hit a lot of this region, and had some trees knocked down in our yard, and just crazy. And I got thinking about storms. There's two types of storms in the Bible. There are storms of correction. Storms of correction. These are storms that come to us when... We're living in disobedience. These are storms that come to us when we're outside of the will of God. These are uh, pauses in life that, that God brings to us. Think of the prophet Jonah who ran from the presence of the Lord. And what did God bring to Jonah? God brought a storm. Storms of correction. They're designed to bring us back to the will of God, to bring us back where we need to be. A storm of correction, young people, class. There are many people in this auditorium tonight that, that uh, if they had the microphone, they could take the microphone and they could say uh, that they lived outside of the will of God and that God had to do something to get their attention. He brought a storm of correction. It's, they're not pleasant. We don't want that for you, young people. Uh, I, I don't want any of you to have to go through a storm of correction, uh, like Pastor said, to, to graduate from Hammond Baptist, to, to uh, uh, hear all the teachings of the Word of God, to be trained the way that you've been trained, boy, uh, don't ever make the decision to walk away from the will of God. It'll bring a storm of correction. That's a scary thing. There's a second storm in the Bible. There's storms of correction, and then there's storms of perfection. Storms of perfection. These are not brought to disobedient people. They're brought to obedient servants. This storm here in Mark chapter four, I believe, is a storm of perfection. The disciples were not outside of the will of God. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were close to God. They were following the Lord. They were in his work and in his service, and yet they experienced a storm. They weren't running from God. They were doing their best to serve him. Sometimes God sends a storm so that you might grow. They're called storms of perfection. By the way, the smartest thing the disciples do in this passage is they receive Jesus into the boat. That's That's the smartest thing. It's it's found right there in verse number 36. If you'd look at it, the Bible says, and, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. The smartest thing they did was receive Jesus as he was into their boat. By the way, that's the smartest thing you can do with your life. The smartest thing you can do with your life is set sail with Jesus. Receive him as he is. I'm thankful that Jesus is willing to be on the boat with me. Ma'am, what a great God. And young people in church family, no matter matter what the storm is that you're going through, receive Jesus on the boat. Receive him as he is. little side thought, but it, it stuck out to me. They received him as he is. They weren't trying to change him. They weren't trying to get him to mold and to fit into their agenda. They received him as he is. We have a lot of people, a lot of Christians even today, a lot of churches that are trying to get Jesus to conform to their image, and that's wrong. We're to receive him as he is. He's not going to change. And let me tell you something, young people. Sometimes who you are and who he is cannot coexist, and he doesn't need to change. You need to change. We need to change. Receive him as he is. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Zacchaeus received him as he was, and Zacchaeus was changed. Peter received him as he was, and Peter was changed. I am going to give you three lessons tonight from the storm, three lessons from the passage that we read. The disciples got on the ship, and they were headed across the Sea of Galilee, headed to uh see this maniac of Gadara. And this storm came, and there's three lessons I want to give you, and I'll be brief tonight. Number one, Jesus has a destination in mind for you. Jesus has a destination in mind for you. Look at verse number 35. The Bible says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Jesus looked at these disciples and he said, hey, we're gonna go from here to there. We're gonna pass over to the other side. He had a destination in mind for these disciples. He wasn't leaving them directionless. He, he was going somewhere in that boat. Let us pass over onto the other side. These disciples had no idea what was on the other side of the shore. By the way, there are many that graduate, that look at their lives, and they say, Brother Jude, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm not sure what the future holds. Is, is that okay? And you almost get nervous, like, what did I miss? And, and I don't have my whole life laid out the next 50 years, you know? I don't have it all lined up. I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing. Did I miss something? Young people, you didn't miss anything. You just determine that Jesus is in the boat with you, and he has a destination in mind for you, because he does. These disciples had no idea what was on the other side. They had no idea that they were about to witness one of the hardest cases. The maniac of Gadara gets saved. Jesus knew that was going to happen. They had no idea. All they heard was, we're going to pass over to the other side. That's all that they heard. They had no idea that this maniac would soon encounter Christ and he would soon share his testimony with the entire area. Many would get saved. All they knew... Was that he said they were going to the other side. They didn't realize the miracle they were about to witness. They didn't realize that they were about to see the power of God on display in a man's life. They had no—I All they knew was Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. And they received him as he was. I remember getting saved and surrendering my life to Jesus. And really surrendering my life. You know, we say that. i do whatever God wants me to do. Almost like it's some small thing. I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. Whatever God wants you to do is a big thing. But I remember getting saved and surrendering my life to Jesus. and I had no idea what the future held. I had no idea. got saved there in Blue Island, Illinois. 127th and Western Avenue that time and even today difficult area kind of a rough neighborhood got saved as a teenager and uh had never been to church before got saved as a young man i could remember my home and i love my home and i'm thankful for the people there but we weren't in church we didn't know jesus at all i remember going to church on sunday and it was it was so different it was like two different worlds my home and the church house By the way, listen, church family, it is a Sunday night service. If you're here today and you're in church and and you're part of this church and you're a Christian, the church and your home should not be two different worlds. The the best thing you can do for your children is make sure that your home and the church are in alignment. But in my situation, there were two different worlds. I was a young teenager, saved, called to preach. I've told the story, our seniors have heard this story now for the last four years many times on a sunday night many times more than i could imagine more than i can count on a sunday night often in the summer i would go through the i would come home after being in church all day i would just stay there in the afternoon clean the fellowship hall maybe preach in a nursing home gone early sunday morning sunday afternoon serving the lord sunday night in church and then i would walk into my house there in blue island illinois i would open up the door and, and i love my family but it's just a different world it was like I was stepping into something so foreign, so strange, I was just hit immediately with the world, the world's music and, and everything that would accompany a lost home. I had a little haven there in the upstairs, my bedroom. I had gone in, I had painted the, the walls white, and I'd put Bible verses on my on my on the walls of my bedroom, and it was just my little place. It was the one spot in the house that that I could control. And I would often just go immediately to my bedroom and maybe think about the day. Sometimes I would crawl out onto the roof of the house. I would look up into the sky. And I wasn't, you know, I was a new Christian. In that neighborhood, you could feel the vibe of the music. You could hear it. It was everywhere. It wasn't coming from one neighbor. It was just everywhere, ungodly music, drug deals going down in the alley, literally. I would often pray and I'd look up in the sky, and I would say something like this. I would say, God, I know that you're up there, but I don't know, if I were you, I wouldn't want to look at what's happening down here. If I were you, I, don't, I wouldn't want to hear what's happening down here, and I would pray this. I would say, but God, if you're up there, and if you are looking, and if you are listening, would you please use me? Someday, and I could remember praying that and young people listen all I can say to you looking back at that time And where I'm standing right now Jesus had a destination in mind for me and Jesus has a destination in mind For you and you may not see it all and you may not know how it all works out Just get in the boat and bring Jesus on the boat just as he is if something needs to change You change and and make sure you sail with him and he's going somewhere He's got a destination in mind for you. Every time I preach, I think to myself, I'm amazed that God would use me. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that I'm preaching here tonight. It's staggering to me. But Jesus had a destination in mind. He had a destination in mind. Took me to West Virginia for 13 years. I never would have chosen to go to West Virginia. What kid on the south side of Chicago Wants to go to West Virginia. Nobody, nobody. I didn't realize it was a state. <laughs> I thought it was the western part of Virginia. I didn't even know that it was a, a real state. That's that public school education. No, but I didn't, even, I didn't even know. West Virginia? What's down there? You know? I, I gotta be careful. I'm in the church and I'm used to my mind's in camp season, so I'm not gonna say what I wanted to say right there, but West Virginia talk like this. How you doing, Brother Judah? (laughs) I'm doing fine. (laughs) You know, it's crazy. But uh, hey, 13 unbelievable years. The lessons learned, just, just getting in the boat with Jesus, realizing that he had a destination in mind, and not trying to change his plan, but receiving him as he is, and then I came here. Four years ago, the plan of God. You know, it's funny, but but there's a part of me, after being in West Virginia for 13 years, I I didn't want to come back. Just a small part. I mean, (laughs) but here I am, and I'm here, and I've been here for four years, and it's been incredible to meet friends on this platform, to be a part of your lives. It's been a privilege. And I look back and I'm amazed and I think to myself, God, thank you for having a destination in mind for me. And young people, God has a destination in mind for you. Graduate Jesus has a destination in mind for you. I don't know what it is, but the best thing you can do is get in the boat with Jesus as he is and sail with Christ. Yeah. It's the best thing you can do. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. And I understand the meaning of that verse, but, but if I could take it out of context for a moment, listen, godly vision, godly vision is not just seeing who you are, but it's seeing who you can become in the will of God. That's godly vision. And as I look at this graduating class, and I see who you are, man, you're unbelievable people. Unbelievable people. I'm thankful for who you are, but I have a vision for you. I have a vision for who you can become in the will of God. That's vision, sail with Jesus. Graduate, I believe in you. God has placed you in this generation. God has you in our world right now. You've gone through Hammond Baptist. You're familiar with the Bible. You know how to win someone to Christ. God has a vision for you. Listen to me, this world needs Jesus. I don't know how, how to say it more strongly, more passionately, but this world, your world, needs Jesus. Take a look at the news, take a look at what's going on in society. The answer is Christ, and God has placed you here, and I don't know what the future holds, but well, I, hope, I hope you realize that God has a destination in mind for you, and I hope that there's not one graduate here tonight that's even entertaining the thought of sailing on without Christ. This world needs Jesus. Church, Jesus has a destination in mind for us. I do not believe for a moment the church is just going to, to fade off into obscurity. That's not God's plan for the church. Not in this time, not in this present day. God has a, has a vision, He has a destination in mind for us. Maybe this is the only thing I'll say to the church on a Sunday night, but, but as we emerge out of all of this, let's emerge different, let's emerge focused, let's emerge passionate, let's emerge uh, ready to spread the gospel of Christ. Hey, church family, we have one job, and that's to lift up Jesus everywhere that we go. He said, if, and I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. Hey, if you're here tonight and you're lost, if you're listening by way of live stream and and you're lost you don't know christ as your savior jesus has a destination in mind for you Amen. hey as pastor said he wants you to go to heaven you know when you step off into eternity you'll step into one of two places heaven or hell and the bible says that god's not willing that any should perish that all should come to repentance jesus has a destination in mind for you what are some lessons we can learn from the storm number one Jesus has a destination in mind for you. Number two, there's going to be opposition. There will be opposition. Look at verse number 37, as they set out to sail, the Bible says, "There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. There's going to be opposition. They're sailing across to get the other side. And you know what's interesting? Jesus, Jesus goes to sleep on the boat. I got looking that up. I look up the strangest things sometimes. It, let's, where it says right here, it says, uh, verse 38, it says he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. I don't know why, but I looked up the word pillow. Great Bible student here. Looked up the word pillow. It's only used twice in the Bible. The word is used three times in the Bible. Only in two places. There's a, there's a place in 1 Samuel, I think, where a pillow is mentioned. It's called a pillow made of goat's hair. Michael Jordan's pillow, <laughs> a pillow made of goat's hair. <laughs> and then there's this spot. This is, this is the other spot. Jesus asleep on a pillow. So here the disciples are in the middle of a storm, and Jesus is asleep on a pillow. I don't know why, but I thought to myself, he's getting the best night's sleep in the whole wide world. <laughs> and, uh, he visited mypillow.com, but he's, he's asleep on a pillow, and this storm— whips up. There's two, ways, there's two ways to look at this storm, and I've got to be honest with you, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. You can look at this storm and you could say that, that Jesus brought the storm to test their faith. You could say that it was all a big setup. That he had just preached these parables to them and this storm was designed to, to test their faith. You could believe that, and, and that, that may be true. I don't know. I, I wouldn't argue it. Or you could you could say this, you could say that that Satan knew that Jesus was asleep. You could say that Satan understood where they were headed. And he knew that the Son of God was asleep, and so he quickly whipped up the wind to oppose the destination. You could say that. As I stand here right now, I kind of believe that. You say, why do you believe that, Brother Judah? Because the Bible says that Jesus. When he woke up, the Bible says that he rebuked the wind. He spoke to the sea, but he rebuked the wind. Oftentimes, in the New Testament, when Jesus is rebuking something, you look it up, he, he's rebu- he rebuked Peter, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He rebuked the demons, he, he rebukes fever. Uh, most of the time when Jesus is rebuking, it has something to do with the demonic world and satanic activity, and here he rebukes the wind. I don't know I don't know if Jesus brought the storm I don't know if Satan brought the storm here's what I know young people it happened and it was there was opposition to them getting to the other side and young people there's going there's going to be opposition as you try to live for God that's going to happen that is that is normal you will not sail with Christ and the seas be calm all the time there will be a storm and and these storms happen. There's going to be opposition, a great storm of wind. Adniram Judson began his ministry in Burma, and he set a goal. Here was his goal, to translate the Bible into the Burmese language and to start a church, and he hoped for that church to have 100 members by the time he died. That was his goal. Judson ministered 15 hours a day for six years before he saw his first convert. He had wives die on him, babies die on him. He was so depressed after his wife Ann died that he dug a grave next to her grave. He stood at the end of it and asked God to let him die so he could just drop into the hole. He spent 13 years in prison before his ministry really got off the ground. In prison, he was filled with doubt and depression. And he used that time to translate the Bible into the Burmese language. And at the time of his death, listen to this, he had established 100 churches with over 8,000 believers. Now you can't look at that life and say that it was just smooth sailing. There were many times where I'm sure Jetson fall in a prison cell, man, what is going on? And just like these disciples cares us now not that we perish, we have this storm. Yet, it was through opposition that he saw the will of God accomplished. And young people, Jesus has a destination in mind for you. There will be opposition. And that brings me to the last and final point. We'll be done. If I could say one thing to you tonight, for you to just remember, it's this, Jesus can be trusted in the storms of life. You and church family, you can trust God in the storms of life. Young people, as you set sail, have Jesus in the boat. When opposition comes, and it will, you can trust Jesus in the storms of life. He does not promise to keep us from the storm. He promises to be with us in the storm. He'll take us through the storm. I want you to listen to these scriptures. Isaiah 43, Bible says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Listen to what the Bible says in Nahum chapter number 1, verse number 3. It says, the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea, and maketh it dry, and dryeth up all the rivers. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him." Look at Psalm 107, verse number 23, I'll read it to you, but it says this, verse 28, it says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Listen, many passages in the Bible that illustrate that Jesus has a desired destination for you, that there's going to be a storm, that he's in the midst of the storm, he's the eye of the storm, he'll carry you through the storm. He knows them that trust in him in the middle of the storm. And and the best thing I can say to you is you can trust Jesus. If you're lost, you can trust Jesus with your eternity. pastor will get up in a moment. He'll lead the closing part of the service. But if you're lost tonight, hey, take a look around this world that we're living in. It's uncertain. It's a storm. I, I don't know. Who or what to trust on this earth? But I know this, I can trust Jesus. Yeah. In the middle of a storm, I know that. And if you're saved, you're going through a storm. Thank God we we have a savior who wants to be in the boat with us. Receive him, receive him. Don't turn him away. Receive him in the boat just as he is. Don't try to change a thing about the Lord. Receive him into the boat. Trust him. You can trust Jesus. Young people, I can't wait. To see the destination. I look at some of you, and, and I know you. I, I can't wait to see the destination. It won't be storm-free. It won't be. But if you remember nothing else from graduation night, remember this. You can trust Jesus in the storm Would